Welcome to the Young Adult Podcast, where we will be engaging in weekly conversations around the amazing, tough, fun, weird, but extremely important and defining season of your 20s, all while bringing you more of a biblical perspective. Our goal is to dive deeper into conversations that push you, challenge you, and hopefully inspire you to begin to walk in the fullness of who God created you to be, which we believe will make you the most effective for the kingdom of God. Let's jump into this week's episode. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Young Adult Podcast. My name is Connor Grimm, and I will be one of your hosts today. Joining me, we're kind of flying, not solo, but as a duo, Batman and Robin. We'll let you decide who Batman is. (laughs) I see Andrew in a little Robin mask, but we have Andrew Matrone in the studio. What's good, fam? How are you? What's up? Dude, give yourself a round of applause. It's the yellow button. Oh, no, that's the music one. (laughs) (laughs) Shouldn't be controlling this. (laughs) All right, guys. Whitney is uh, out of the studio. She she went to a baby shower. Yeah. Whitney and my wife actually went to a baby shower in Missouri um, during the blizzard. And so they thought that they were going to be able to fly in and land on Sunday during the heat of the blizzard. Yeah. Don't know. That that wasn't a very great idea. And so they've been mm. stranded in There Missouri. are weather apps that people can check before they fly places and... Yeah. And also everyone in the world was screaming. <laughs> Don't One of the go. biggest blizzards in the history of Colorado. Yeah. But you've been a single dad for been, a lot longer than you thought. I was going to be a single dad from Friday morning till Sunday, basically dinner time. And I will be a single dad from Friday morning until Wednesday afternoon. <laughs> and to any single parent that is listening to this, you're a freaking hero. Yeah, rock stars. Yeah. For real, though. Yeah. Oh, dude, I've been four days, and I'm crumbling. Yeah. <laughs> I'm absolutely, I think Ezra's eating chicken nuggets for lunch and dinner two days in a row. Well, you're in survival mode. <laughs> yes. 100%. You're yeah. like, I'm just trying to keep you alive yeah. and keep me somewhat sane. Seriously, though. But yeah, for single parents... They have to work and take care of their kids, get them to school. Man. Dude, it's insane. It's insane. Yeah. I'm literally lucky I left the house wearing clothes today. And for Ezra's been like kind of sick. She's got like a runny nose and she's had a little fever. So it's just compounded. Like she's never happy. She feels bad. So she's always like crying or wants to be held. Yeah. And she's getting big. So like it, she's so heavy <laughs> to carry everywhere. You're like. Can I put you in a cage? That's horrible. Hey, if you are a single parent listening, hit us up. We'll, we'd love to give you a little gift card to a grocery store or something like that. Yeah. Shout out real. to all the single parents. I don't know if there's many listening, but if there is, we'd love to come alongside you and, DM and bless us. you. Yeah, yeah, please. DM the YA uh, account on Instagram. We'll take care of you. Um, all right. So I think last week I said we were going to jump into a new series, but psych, we decided <laughs> after talking. Um, there's a very important part of following Jesus that we wanted to talk about today. And so we're going to end with this one, but we're doing a week three of Follow Me podcast edition. Um, week one, we talked a little bit about why you should follow Jesus, how a lot of us can be very comfortable in our faith um, and kind of just like sit on the sidelines and not take it seriously or not step out into maybe what God is calling you to. Um, week two, we tried to make it a little more practical. And we tried giving you not five rules necessarily, but maybe five mindsets yeah. to think about and maybe how to frame a life that follows Jesus, questions to ask yourself, etc. And this week, we are going to talk about actually a very important part of following Jesus, and it's this. We're talking about how followers make other followers of Jesus. Right. 
Um, basically, Jesus' commission to us was that if you wanted to follow him, um, part of doing that is to get other people to do the same thing. Right. Uh, Christianity just isn't this introspective practice where you're all consumed with yourself and how do you get better. The majority of Jesus's life was caring for other people, and he encouraged us to do the exact same thing, which was yeah. go after, seek after other people, and and bring them into this this life, right? In in relationship with God, yeah. And you know, we we talked about the past couple weeks. Like once God saves you, He calls you, yeah. and He calls you to a certain way of of living, and just like the the greatest commandments, like. God calls you to love him with all your heart, mind, soul. So we've talked about denying your flesh and and what it looks like to really follow God with your heart, with your mind, with your soul, with your lifestyle. But then the second commandment is, is to love people. And so so God calls you to this. And and when you go through Scripture, you see a lot of follow me and then this, or if you want to be my disciple, do this and then follow me. Um, but one of the ones that we read a lot is follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Follow me and I'll teach you how to make more followers. Follow me and I'll teach you how to make more disciples. Yeah. And so clearly we see that this is like a very important part, not just in our lives, but to the heart of God. We see that God is passionate about his people making other followers, sharing their faith. Um, But I guess like just to kick this off and to frame this conversation, why is followers making followers why is this an important i don't know why is it important at all like we know it's important to god but why should it be important for us why is it such a big deal yeah i th- i think when when we when we read scripture and we see things that are important to the heart of god then we have to take note of it and make it important to to our heart and i think that the reality is that all throughout scripture you see that god obsesses over his lost children and now does God love his found children? Absolutely. Like he loves looking down and and seeing us worship. He inhabits the praises of his people. He's honored and glorified by our worship. He loves his found children, but I believe that he is ultra focused on his lost children. Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. For God sent his one and only Son, Jesus Christ, to seek and save the lost. Matthew 9.10-12 through 12, um, some Pharisees were questioning Jesus uh, and says, Why does your your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And on hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. That Jesus came to be focused on the lost ones. All throughout Scripture, you see that Jesus went out of his way to seek and save the lost. Yeah. Like the, the woman at the well. Jesus was on track to go another direction, but he went the long route to interact with this woman who didn't know him. Uh, the man who was possessed in the cave. No one wanted anything to do with him. Jesus went out of his way to seek that man. Uh, the invalid at the pool of Bethesda, Zacchaeus, and many other stories, you see that Jesus goes out of his way to to seek and save lost people. And even in Luke 15, Jesus tells the three parables about a lost sheep, a lost coin, the lost son. And basically the moral of the stories is, I will leave the found things to go and find the lost things. So yeah. we believe that uh, God is distracted by by what is lost, uh-huh. and he cares deeply about it. And, and you read it for yourself. You see all throughout Scripture. Yeah, and I think that's 
Well, f- first off, I-, I think about the Great Commission, about how when Jesus was crucified, raised from the dead, um, right before he ascended into heaven uh, as a live human being, he he said like he could have said anything. Right. Like I think I think I'm kind of like leaning more in my life about like the weight of what Jesus right. did, did choose to say mm-hmm. and did. Yeah. yeah, like because um because there's so much that he that could have been said there. Like right. hey, remember to be good people, mm-hmm. or hey, remember to like. Really study the Bible, worship. or yeah, worship. Like all that is so important, and clearly he likes and, and approves of those things. But he's like, "Hey, go into the world mm-hmm. and take this message wherever you go. Basically, yeah. go replicate what I've shown you in my life. Yeah, how to do? No, absolutely. Yeah, and I think that like when when, when you think about the, the context of everything that took place when God sent Jesus, God sent Jesus on this giant search and rescue mission and and Jesus came to this earth and Jesus fulfilled his mission. Yeah. Jesus did his job, but then we believe that the baton was handed to us like in, in the great commission. The the mission of seeking and saving lost is a mission that continues through us and Jesus when he left, God left the Holy Spirit to to dwell within us which gives us authority and boldness, Acts 1.8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So literally Jesus fulfills his mission, hands the baton to his disciples in that moment, and but to us as well, and leaves the Holy Spirit that gives us authority and gives us boldness while we become witnesses to our city, to our state, to our country, to everywhere we travel. Yeah. And and so we are now on a mission as the church of Jesus Christ that you've been given an assignment. Yeah, and even the the name Christian means like little Christ and it mm. it it was a name kind of given like derogatorily right. to people, but think about like if you are a little Christ like in whatever sphere of influence you have, it's just like model what he did, right. you know? Like and he was always drawing people to himself addressing, you know, a mental need, a physical need, a spiritual need, and pointing people to himself and and, and doing that to God. Right. And and I mean if we claim the name Christian, if we say we're little Christ, which sounds kinda of weird <laughs> to, to say. Don't go around calling yourself that I picture like a you might be little a cult mini, leader. Mini Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like but like uh that that's that's what you're supposed to do, like imitate him. Mm-hmm. Like Paul says, be imitators right. uh, of of Jesus. And so, I think it's pretty clear that this is very central to our faith and to the heart of God. Mm-hmm. And so, here's like the age old question: Why is it so freaking difficult to right. share our faith? Why is it hard to be a follower of Jesus who makes other followers? Because it's yeah. so easy for us to just be like, I'm going to read my Bible, I'm going to do my Devo, mm-hmm. I'm going to listen to worship, I'm not going to talk to that person because I know what's going mm-hmm. on in their life, and I'm just going to do me and make sure I get into heaven, right. and then my ticket's punched and I'm good. Right. But, man, there is, there's awkwardness, there's rejection, there's right. pain, there could be fractured friendships or relationships. Why is it so hard for us to just normally and and relationally i guess share our our faith and our convictions with other people right yeah I, it, it is a daunting thing especially when we talk about it cuz cuz we do talk about it in church sometimes we drive by it and i think we've been really 
at Young Adults, we've been trying to really push more of this and make it more of our verbiage instead of two times a year sharing a message of why we should share our faith, but kind of trying to make it more of our verbiage of, of like, hey, whatever workplace you're in, God has placed you there. After service, we always like try to give a charge of like, hey, this was not meant to stay here. Like, come to church. This is great. Be be filled. Be encouraged. Be strengthened. But this was not meant to. And so I think that we we put it on a pedestal, and it's just it's an awkward thing. Yeah, like sharing your faith is an awkward thing. Now, for me, put a mic in my hand on stage. I'll talk about Jesus boldly all day long. Yeah, but then put me next to my next door neighbor when the opportunity <laughs> arises. I'm like. Argh! <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, yeah, you know what's what's interesting. We were talking about this earlier. Is the the study that was done by Barna when it came to uh, Christian millennials sharing their faith? This is super interesting. <clears throat> it said that ninety four percent of Christian millennials believe that the best thing that could ever happen to you is coming to know Jesus. The best thing that you could best decision is coming to know Jesus. And then it it was what. It might have been a little bit less than this, but it's a 96% believe that part of my faith is being a witness about Jesus. So the best thing that could ever happen in my life is knowing Jesus. A key component of my faith is sharing Jesus, but then 47% believe that it's wrong to share one's beliefs with someone in hopes that they will one day share the same faith. Yeah. Like actually believe that it's wrong. It's not. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Like, I mean, not that anybody needs this, but I just think, okay, frame it in a different way. Let's say that there is literally a guy handing out millions of dollars. You get $5 million for just going up and walking up to him. And you do it, and it's awesome. And it changed your life. Mm-hmm. But you think it's bad to tell somebody to walk up and grab $5 million from this guy who's just right. handing it out for free. Right. You know? Like, yeah. How does that work? Like, how can it be the best decision you've ever made and not, and you, and in the same breath think it's wrong to encourage somebody to to do that? Right. Yeah. And I, I think, I mean, this is probably opening up a whole, whole nother can of worms, but um, I think that we're scared, especially in our world today, to, to share something that might, that is conflictual with what culture deems right or worthy because we're afraid of what could yeah could happen to us. And I think that we live in this culture that you have your beliefs, I have my beliefs. Let's keep peace, keep it to ourselves. Um because we do live in a culture that's extremely sensitive to strong belief systems. Yeah. Especially that aren't your own. Um and so I I think that there there's a a, a great fear for a lot of people. Yeah, like cancel culture. Uh-huh. It, cancel culture is the most demonic, non-Christian thing <laughs> in the entire world. It right. really is. Yeah. And like, there are people who make mistakes and are obliterated, Obliter- obliterated. Yeah. Right. And it's and and it, it's in no way justifying what they did. And, and I'm saying all this because I think we live in this reality where we know one false move. And that's us. Like one <clears throat> false move and our coworkers are going to just take us through the ringer. Our right. friends are going to stop texting us, stop calling us. Yeah. You put us through the ringer, like classify us as something horrific. Right. You know? Yeah. And unpopular opinion. We we live in um, 
in like the most I'm using quotations, you can't see this, but um accepting culture like on the planet like they're saying that Gen Z will be the most accepting culture. And I think there's a lot of beautiful things. I think with Gen Z, I think we're gonna make a a lot of marks on the race issue. The millennials were the most um biracial uh, marriages. So Gen Z is the most biracial families. So I mean we're 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 going to see a lot of great things. So, but there's a deep level of acceptance with a lot of identity issues. And so, but our culture is very accepting until you believe something or have a statement outside of what they deem acceptable. acceptable. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's yeah. a very, it's a very difficult thing. So I, I, I think that that is for a lot of people why I'm like, uh, I'm not going to go there because I, I could be, I could be ridiculed, but I also do think that there's some like really practical reasons for me. That's never really been like growing up. That was never why I didn't. And probably right now still, it's probably not why I, I, I wouldn't share my faith um, or, or invite someone to church. I, th- I think for a lot of people, people feel disqualified. Like I just, I'm an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> like I did some dumb stuff this weekend and and with my coworkers and how on earth am I going to be Jesus to them? Yeah. Which that's probably another message for another day. Uh, not knowledgeable enough. I haven't been a believer that long. I don't really read my Bible. So if someone has tough questions for me, I'll feel like I'll just look stupid, um, afraid of what people might think. If I go to work and all of a sudden I'm like the Jesus person and I get deemed that and I get labeled that, then I'll lose some relational equity. Um so I I think that there there are a lot of reasons why why people feel that and and I think they're they're not valid excuses but I can understand because that's how I feel but the reality is is that if you're a believer and you struggle with this you have to be able to step outside for a moment and realize that as followers of Christ he calls us he commands us he commissions us it's not a Hey, if you want to, yeah. if you feel like it's right. No, like Jesus didn't just change your life and transform your life for you. He did it so that you'd be an impact to people around you. And it's a call. It's a commission. It's a command. Yeah. And if we're not operating in that, I believe that we're, we're going against, I think, what God wants for us as believers. Yeah. I think, I think sharing our faith <clears throat> goes directly into this idea of, being a Christian means my life gets easier. Right. Like, kind of like, what? let's just, you know, with cancel culture again, like, that's not easy. Like, you, if you are sharing your faith, and, and I don't even mean, like, in a way of, like, hey, what do you believe? Okay, you're wrong, and here's why. I just right. mean, like, hey, this is what I think. This is what I believe. This is how it's changed my life. Like, even that puts you up for grabs to, mm-hmm. like, be considered hateful or, you know, like, not open or whatever. Because Christians have... Many Christians have made a bad name. Just as oh yeah, a, every group makes a bad. There's bad apples, but yeah, when you say I'm a believer, there's so this, much that comes with that. Yeah, you're you're homophobic. Oh, you 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 must have voted for Trump, and so that makes you a misogynist <laughs> yeah. and, a, and yeah, a racist. Yeah. And um, real Christians have a lot of not making up to do, but just like <laughs> it's just kind of like man, I, I'm not every label that comes with this negative connotation right. of being a follower of Jesus, right, you know? Right. Um, and so, but yeah, I just think that like what makes it so hard is, is sort of that stigma. Like mm-hmm. not only do we live in a culture that is quick to cancel, quick to stick a label on you, mm-hmm. 
But there are so many labels you already have to fight through right. of like hyper conservative. Like as a as a Christian, mm. I grew up in in Virginia, which is a relatively conservative mm. state. And when I go back home, I'm I'm probably consi- considered the most liberal person like right. my, my family's yeah. ever been around in the world. <laughs> like, you know, and so like there's just so many like stigmas that we as Christians even have to fight through. And I think that can make sharing our faith so hard is because when you, you tell somebody, hey, I believe in Jesus um, and, and, I, and I follow him, that can bring up so many right. different labels that <clears throat> aren't associated with you or even the way of Jesus. And right. so, man, I think that, but regardless, mm-hmm. what what sorry, what I was getting back to saying is we're called to do it nonetheless. Right. And I think it's your job to embody what real Christianity is. Mm-hmm. Like if you're if you're right now sitting in your office or you're driving on your way to work and you're like, man, if I say that I'm a Christian to my coworkers, there are labels that I'm gonna have to fight through that yeah. aren't even me. Mm-hmm. Um yes. But that's also part of the commission right. is to show people through the embodied like presence of Jesus through you in your office yeah. that, hey, you're not judgmental. Yeah. Hey, you're not <clears throat> close-minded or small-minded. You're not a bigot or hateful or whatever. Like right. you, You're actually a pretty kind person. I might, I might listen to you yeah. every once in a while. And once people know? know that you are, it kind of puts a level of accountability on you. Yeah. Because of like... I'm representing Christ now, and they know it. I just moved into a new house uh, like two weeks ago, and I'm in the process of like trying to meet all of our neighbors and great neighbors. And but I don't know if I live around any Christians. And it oh, every time I've met a neighbor, it always ends up, and I try to avoid it like the plague. I refuse to ask them what they do because then they'll ask me what I do. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I was talking to one neighbor and. He was telling he was this single divorced dad. He's like upper forties, named Sean. He's he's a little he's a little rough around the edge. He's seen some things in life. <laughs> yeah. And he was talking about like getting drunk and all these things. And it's like our second time ever talking. I'm like, I don't know why we're talking about this. <laughs> and then he's like, So you know what do you what do, what do you do? You're like, Great, like, here we go. <laughs> I'm a pastor. <laughs> the whole conversation shifted. And I'm like, okay, but now I have this like responsibility yeah. of like, hey, with my interactions with him, he's he's looking at me as is he gonna be like every other believer that I've seen or I've heard yeah. of? All or, show. I, or I've yeah, or I've like contextualized that what a believer is. Yeah. And I'm actually kind of stoked now. I got like this great opportunity, but now I have to be better about yelling at Abram in the <laughs> in the yard. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we've we've got this lady that loves to walk our dogs or walk her dogs and let them go to the bathroom right in our front yard uh-huh, and never always. pick it up. I'm yeah. not stressed about it or uh-huh. frustrated. Thanks for ruining my lawn. Yes, yeah, but uh, but she asked Aaron like what we do, and Aaron told her we work at a church and we're pastors and. She called me father one time. Just with her. I'm like, I'm not your dad. Like, no, but like, you know, like, are you a father? And I'm like, technically with Ezra, but not for you. Like, yeah. Oh, that's but that, funny. But that's like a stigma. That's like a label. Yeah, you know, like she yeah. probably thinks I go to work with like one of those white collars on uh-huh. or something like you that. You should. And, I'm gonna buy you one. Walk out one day. And bless, bless her. Yeah. Have a little sprinkle some of my sink water on her. And, no, some toilet water. Yeah. On her. All right, that's let's get. <laughs> so that's all. Those are all the reasons why it's so hard. Yeah, it is, and, and I think we're just trying to validate the the aspect of like most believers, just like that stat showed, do feel this like this deep 
tension yeah of i should be doing this and i think a lot of people kind of walk around with this level of i don't know if it's shame or guilt of being like i don't feel like i'm doing enough yeah well i think i think that's a big part so we've kind of been joking around a little bit about the external factors of cancel culture or i don't know just like everything surrounding mm-hmm. like the external pressure but i right. think a lot of us feel this internal of like who am i yeah. to share like who am i who yes i know jesus i'm changed but i still right. struggle i still wrestle i think that is also a huge reason why it's so hard because we know that if somebody could take an x-ray and look at the internal scope mm-hmm. of our life they're like you're not that different from me yeah you know so yeah. who are who are you to sit here and tell me how to live my life right. you yeah. know no, I, I think that's great. I think we're and we're we're gonna we're gonna hit some of that here in just a couple of minutes. And I mean, we were talking about okay, if you're sitting in here, you're listening, and you're like, okay, I love Jesus. He's changed my life. He's transformed me. I I know that I have a call in my life to to share my faith, to invite people to church. To um, I just don't really know how. Yeah. Um, and so we we want to give you four. I, I preached about this a couple of weeks ago. If you want to go listen to the message. Um, or the whole follow me series is great, but we just want to give you like four really practical steps of of how to really go about sharing your faith or being Jesus to people. Yeah. Um, and and the first one is this: it's accept personal responsibility. Accept That's personal good. responsibility. I believe that behavior follows belief, and if you don't believe you're responsible for seeking the lost, you'll never do it. Yeah. Like. If you don't, if you don't at all believe like I'm responsible for this, then you'll never have it on your mindset. But if you say I am responsible for sharing Jesus with lost people, then you'll you'll accept responsibility and you'll begin to walk, walk in that. And I I think people sometimes have a hard time accepting that I am responsible for. Yeah, it. and I think I think some of the reason we're intimidated to accept responsibility is because, you know. 99% of the people listening to this, they don't have biblical degrees. Right. You know, they don't study the, that. Their job isn't to study the Bible. Mm-hmm. And so they're kind of like, well, I'm not a, a pastor. Like, right. what do I? Man, the Bible says that the most, the two most powerful things that transform somebody's life is what Jesus did for you and then your story. Right. The blood of the Lamb, which is a way of saying what Jesus did, his death and resurrection, and the power of your testimony. And so I think just to like, for you to own responsibility, that o- you only own what God's entrusted to you. That's great, yeah. And God's entrusted your story to you, which and you know maybe your story relates to your neighbor, maybe it doesn't, but it you can share your story. Yeah, you know, like Absolutely. your story is something irrefutable. People can't deny or tell you you're wrong about what happened to you, what God's done in your life. Right. And so for me, when I hear take responsibility, I'm automatically like trying to think of like, well. How would I answer this question? Or how would I answer that question? And maybe I, I can't, but yeah. all I know that I can do is be like, hey, man, I <clears> might not know everything, but here's how it's affected me. Yeah. And you can you can do with that what you, want, what you want to. Yeah, and, you know, the Scripture says that we're Christ's ambassadors. Like, that's why we're on this planet, to be ambassadors of Christ. Think if you're an ambassador for a country. You travel, and in, in layman terms, you're a representative representative of that country you're speaking on behalf of and that's that's who we are as um as ambassadors of christ like we're representing christ to other people 
And I think that we have like this, this like grandeur, like this thought of, of that I need to like reach all these kind of people. But can I just tell you that, that God has put you in a sphere of influence. Think about your work. Think about your family, your, uh, your school. Like God has strategically placed you in a sphere of influence and, and remember, like, just like Connor said, like, he's entrusted you with that sphere of influence and he placed you there to be an, an ambassador. Yeah. And God's hope is that you would um, influence people while while you're there. It's like it's 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 our it's not just God's job to, to reach lost people. It's a partnership. We have to make the appeal to other people. And I think that we can have this thought of, OK, well, they're God's children. Isn't it God's job to reach his people yeah and and I, I would just question well then why did Jesus send out the 72 disciples why did Jesus tell disciples to go and make disciples of all nations why why did he raise up Paul to travel from city to city and write letters to churches that would that would like strengthen them to go out and be this for other people why for thousands and thousands of years have people been called to be pastors, evangelists, missionaries? It's because God uses people, broken, flawed, messed up people, to expand the message of Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus left, because yeah. Jesus was one man who could not go to the ends of the earth, that he had to raise up other people who in turn would start the church and raise up Millions and millions and millions of people, all to all corners of the earth. Jesus expanding the kingdom of all corners of the earth was not for him to do. Yeah, it was for us to do through the power of the Holy Spirit in Acts one eight that empowers us. Yeah, to do so. Yeah, I think that's so good. Yeah. So accept responsibility. Uh, number two is build upon personal relationship. And so you ask yourself the question: What's your sphere of influence? And then ask yourself the next question, how am I building upon these relationships that would attract them to Jesus? Yeah. So you don't have to go to all the random people at your gym. Now, sometimes God, I think, creates moments for that. But what's your sphere of influence and how are you building upon those relationships that would attract them to yeah. Jesus? I think that uh, I think that the days of—so we, we as a young adults group went to— uh, Santa Monica. We went to like a church mm -hmm. conference yeah. before before the pandemic and everything, uh, the summer before. And I, I was still surprised to see this, especially in a place like California. We we were staying in a hotel and we were there for this church conference and we were walking around looking for lunch somewhere. And there was a guy on a little box with a megaphone <laughs> talking about how people are going to hell. Uh -huh. And I, and I mean, if I'm a betting man, I would bet my life fortune. Zero people were one to the Lord that uh, day. You know what I right. mean? Um, I think that I think there's so much about re like relationship. Like you're right. like you're saying that, like this is the most important one. I think of, like the four steps is that like I think when we hear go make followers, go make disciples, we're like, well, how I just go up to somebody right. in King Supers and talk to them. I mean, I'm maybe if you feel like God's leading you to do that. But ninety nine point nine percent of the time, it'll be the relationships that it's already you have. There. Yeah, and and here's here's what I've found is most effective, and I and I still struggle to do this today. But but I forget who said this, but it, it was so just obvious. They just said invite somebody into your life, mm -hmm. like open up your house, open up your apartment, 
if if you go to church, send a text and be like, "Hey, love for you to come sit beside of me." Like, let's let's right. go hang out yeah. afterwards. Like, I think sometimes we think of this playbook of like this formula of how to win somebody over. Mm-hmm. But man, Jesus didn't even do that. Jesus never looked at a disciple and deconstructed their thoughts and then said, this is why you're wrong. Here's why I'm right. He just said, hey, let's let's hang out. Yeah. Come follow me. See what I'm about. And people became convinced that he was who he said he was. And yeah. I, I just think that, man, when you have relationships and you really let them, let people see your life and into your life and be a part of your life, that's the most effective witness I think you could ever have. Yeah, and, and Jesus did that. Like Jesus, now he he would call sinners to to follow him and go and send them more after he had engagement with them. And, yeah, and for whatever reason, <coughs> sinners and tax collectors were attracted to Jesus, loved him. But Jesus, he sat with them, he listened to them, uh, he had meals with them, and and I think that like. Christians, we non-Christians, this is a novel idea, but non-Christians should want to be around Christians. Yeah, there should be something different about it. Yeah, us. There, there should be a level of like when you're at the workplace and people are talking crap about the boss and you're like the person who's like, not going to jump in. Yeah, Like you should walk in with a different level of joy and, and kindness and, and compassion. And that's why I think relationships are so important because relationships build trust. And the more I build a relationship with you, the more you start to trust is I don't want things from you. I want something for you. So when that invitation does come, um, it's, it, it's, it's accepted. Yeah. It's, it's taken, um, and, and not a light of you think I'm a crappy person. So you just want me to come to church. Yeah. Um, and I mean, here's a cheap plug, but statistically one of the most times people are willing to come to church is Easter and Christmas. And we've got Easter in what, two weeks, three yeah, weeks, something yeah. like that. <coughs> I mean, just think about what it would be like for you to the person you're closest to or whatever in your office just to be like, hey, no pressure. I'm yeah. just going to this thing at my church for Easter. I think it'd be pretty cool. You should come check it out. Like, come with me. Right. And maybe be like a good friend and get them coffee or like, and again, this isn't to like schmooze them. Yeah. But it's just inviting them into your world and being like, hey, if you say no, it doesn't matter. Like, I'm right. not, this is, yeah, like Andrew said, it's not because I think you're a bad person. It's just because this interests me. Maybe it'll interest you. Yeah. 100%. You know? Yeah, so build uh, upon personal relationship. And then the third one, kind of references, but share your personal story. And I was talking about this in the message, but we always talk about this. Like, you ever tried to tell someone about Jesus and it goes really bad? <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> you, yeah, you're, you're, things are coming out of your mouth about the sacrificial lamb and the you, blood. And you the... start talking about revelation for some reason. You're like, there's going to be fire. And yeah. what am I saying? Yeah, but he died and he loves you. <laughs> but he didn't really die because he's back. Yeah. So... Do you want to come to church with me? <laughs> yeah. Do you want this? Um, yeah, you know, what's interesting is is evangelism. I think that we really put this kind of word on this. We th- when we think of evangelism, we think of traveling to the nations. We think of Billy Graham standing on stage in front of millions of people. But the, the actual definition of evangelism is the spreading of the Christian gospel by public preaching. So, yes, there is. We're spreading the gospel. We're evangelizing every time we step on stage and talk about Jesus. But it says the spreading of the Christian gospel by public preaching or personal witness. Yeah. And so evangelism is not telling people what is wrong with them evangelism is telling people what was wrong with you and how God 
has saved you. And when you're a witness, what what is it? What does a witness do? A witness tells their side of the story. Yeah. A witness doesn't speak on behalf of everybody. They, I mean, they may try. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but a witness, you tell this is my eyewitness of of what I had, what I experienced. And so, when the time is right, let, let me tell you, you're. You're feeling that you've been going to church or not church, but worked with a specific person. You're like, man, I just feel like I feel it in my soul. Like it's time for me to to say something, but I'm really nervous about telling them about Jesus. You don't have to tell them about Jesus. What you do is say, hey, can I just tell you that before I came into a relationship with God, like this is what my life looked like. I was I was feeling lonely. I didn't have community. But then there was the moment that I met God. I was at a service. And then can I just tell you how my life has looked different? Now, I'm, I I still have struggles, but can I just tell you, there's like a level of peace in my life. Man, that, that begins to like really create something of people love personal stories. And also, don't forget that people love redemptive stories, yeah, restorative stories. Why, why is HGTV and Magnolia Farms and Fixer Upper <laughs> all the – why are people addicted to those kind of things? Because they love seeing something that was broken down, no one wanted, no value – and then these people come in and transform it. Transform it. They decide yeah. to transform it. And then, and we all loved it before. If we just went and saw a bunch of houses that were dope and beautiful and all done, we're like, okay, great. Yeah. But I want to see what it was like before. Yeah. So I think that's what's attractive to people. We love hearing those stories. We love Rocky. We love the redemptive story, yeah. and people love to, to hear those kind of things. So I think like allowing people into that, I think is really, really powerful. And it's actually quite simple because it's, your story, you lift it. Yeah, you know? and I think when you share your story, you're not like finger wagging. I think right. like so many, and what like shaking your finger at the bad parts of other people's life. How vulnerable is it for you to be like, hey, I used to be addicted to this. I used to be an alcoholic. I used to like suffer with depression or anger, and I'm not perfect, but here's how I'm really walking right. out of it. You you humble yourself, and right. humility is the posture of Jesus. Like. Jesus never, the only people Jesus approached harshly were people that thought they were better than other people, right. were, were the Pharisees and the Sadducees who would look down on people and, you know, think like, dude, I'm so much better than this person. The people that Jesus admired and, and you know, lifted up were people that took the posture of humility mm-hmm. and were like, this is where I'm broken and this is just how it's helped my brokenness. That's great. You know, and, yeah. and I mean, who can, who can it not least listen to that. Mm-hmm. If if it all like if you share your story and your coworkers or your friends or whatever like never step foot in a church or whatever there is at least something bonding and and relatable to somebody being like hey this is where I was at here's where I'm at now and this is really what's yeah. what's helped me. And and people get to see that you're a work in progress. Mm-hmm. Like being a Christian isn't about being a terrible person and now you're a perfect person. It's about seeing God's redemptive plan like weaved out right. throughout your life. And yeah. so I don't know, man. Yeah. Sharing your story, I think, is just the most powerful thing you can do um when it comes to making other followers of Jesus. Yeah. And when you have those moments, just remember that like you're you're planting seeds. Um, like when Paul says, some plant, some water, but only God can make it grow. Yeah. And so, like, that's for me, like, as when I was a youth pastor, I'm like, I'm probably not doing a whole lot of watering right now, 
but we're tilling some soil up <laughs> and we're we're planting some seeds and I'm just trusting that some sometime across when they get to college or something another pastor is going to come along and preach a message or at a conference dump some water on it and then God's going to make it grow and so um you never know what step of the process that you're in you may get you may find that person where someone else has been planting seeds for years and then all of a sudden they accept Jesus don't get prideful because you were the one who got to someone yeah. else did some tough did work years of work and then you got to come along and water it, and that's why the body of Christ works together and we're all important to this story so yeah um so accept personal responsibility uh build upon personal relationships share your personal story and then the fourth one it all has to come together and at some point you have to give some kind of personal invitation yeah and so that's the fourth one give personal invitation sometimes you can give a personal invitation for them to accept Christ right there uh-huh probably like you I've had few and far between of those kind of moments yeah probably honestly like definitely less than 10 yeah where I'm like right there on the spot and I'm like do you want to accept Jesus right now and they're like yes those are amazing but yeah. those are not um if that's what you're looking for you might be looking for a long time yeah yeah and I think just give personal invitation to, to church is great but like hey just like you said earlier hey I'll save a seat for you I'll have coffee for you come come hang out with me and that's how the uh Believers and I believe in the church, I think, can really work together of you invite and then we'll do the best job possible as a church to create an environment that that feels safe, that feels um, maybe not comfortable, but but at least honest. And yeah, yeah. yeah. And and we'll we'll share to the best of our ability the gospel of Jesus Christ, you know, and and, th- and that's also you taking responsibility. That's yep. not you. You know, like not being responsible, bringing somebody to church to hear that. Like, maybe you're not the most articulate person. Mm-hmm. Moses wasn't. He needed Aaron. Yeah, you know, like Jesus literally was like, "I want you to go talk to Pharaoh." And Moses was like, "I stutter. I st- 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 stutter." <laughs> Jesus, you know, like, yeah. and Jesus, and God was like, "Okay, whatever. I'll give you Aaron." And he's like, "Okay, cool." Like, and they work together. Yeah. So like, there's nothing irresponsible or whatever about like bringing somebody to church. You know, yeah. and and. Just praying, be like God. You know what? I I think I don't think I can articulate this well enough. Maybe that maybe whoever's speaking today can. Would you just do a work in this person's heart with yeah. the message? Like that's insane. That's amazing. Yeah. And I think what's great is you you do the invitation. If they come to church, awesome. And then all you do afterwards is say, Hey, what'd you think? Yeah. Did you like it? Anything stuck out to you? No. Great. <laughs> and then you're, you're back on mission of like just being Jesus to other people. And I think that's ultimately what it comes down to is oftentimes the it just presents itself. Yeah. Um, and But the thing is, if you're not looking for it, if you're not looking for opportunities, you probably won't see them. And so I think if, if you start going into your workplace with a little bit of vision of, hey, I'm, Jesus, I want to be this in this workplace at school. I when I go to the grocery store, I can't tell you how many times I've walked into the grocery store and been like, God, show me someone today. Yeah. And I can't tell you how many times someone has been in front of me and they're like, credit card won't work. <laughs> and then I'm like, okay, this is like a really cool opportunity for me to pay for, I'm like, wow, you got a lot of groceries. Here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> $600. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and, and to me, I think of those moments is like, I'm going to pay for this. Hey, I feel like God placed me here today to to pay for that. Be blessed. Love you. If you would ever want to come to church, here's where I go to church. And 100, 10 out of 10 times, they'll, they'll move on and be like, thank you. Yeah. But 
um, seeds planted. You know. Yeah. No, I to kind of sum up my thoughts on this. When you have to, you at some point have to give a personal invite. My favorite story of inviting somebody to Jesus. I've preached on it two or three times now. Is the story of Nathaniel, like I think Philip, I'm not sure who his brother was. I'd have to go back and look. But basically his brother, Jesus calls his brother, his brother follows Jesus and is like, wow, this guy's insane. I think he's the Messiah. Runs up to his brother Nathaniel and is like, hey, um, we've, I think we found the guy. Like I think mm. we found the Savior. <clears throat> like you got to check this out. And Nathaniel's response is no. Like he's like, what? He literally says like, uh, I, think, I think it's Philip. I'd totally be wrong here. But Philip's like, He's from Nazareth, like whatever. And, and Nathaniel's response is, what good's ever come from Nazareth? I'm not going to mm-hmm. go see this guy. And all the response was, was just come and see. Mm-hmm. Just come and see. Yeah. And, he, and he does, and Nathaniel's changed. And so it's just my favorite church invite ever because it's just so simple. Yeah. It's just, hey, come check it out, man. Make up your mind for yourself. That was just, the one with the well who said, come, come and see the man who told me everything about myself. Yeah. Like, that, so there's multiple times in scripture where that was that's the invite, the invite come and see yeah. yeah so i don't know i i love that i love those steps i think they're really good really practical take personal responsibility build some relationships share your story and then at some point just throw out the hey come check it out yeah you know yeah that, that and that's all you have to do that's all god wants you to do it's great is throw that invitation out there love it yeah uh i think that's i think we've Beat that horse. I I, th- I think my 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 last thought, uh, a story that I I just love, is when Jesus is is walking around with his disciples and he looks out in the crowds and it says he had compassion on them. Yeah, um, he loved them, and and then he turns to his disciples and says the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few, um, and he said, pray that, pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and to send more workers into his field. And basically, he's saying. There's a lot of lost people, but not a ton of people who are willing to go, go seek the lost. Yeah. So, I don't know. I just think that it's we should understand that God's heart hurts for his lost children. Just like God's heart hurt for you and me when we were lost. Yeah. Um, and so when you start taking that perspective of, um, man, I experienced Jesus when I was hurting, and I want other people to experience that, the, the game starts to change, I think. Yeah, big time. Yeah. That's awesome. So, Andrew, you want to pray for us as we wrap yeah. this up? God, we thank you so much for this podcast. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us, challenge us, Lord, convict us in this area. Lord, we all can grow and and be better in this, but just like we've talked about the past couple weeks, I think that you're not condemning us, you're not mad at us if we don't do this perfectly, but I, I think that you just know that the most fulfilled that we'll be as a believer is when we we join in the mission of of seeking lost people, and Lord, I believe that you will give us the, the power, and just as you said to your disciples, that you will be given the right words at the right time. And so Lord, I pray that we would just not going to be a weird Christian who screams from the rooftops. I'm going to look at the relationships that you've entrusted me with, and I'm going to pray for opportunity. And I believe God at the right time, you'll give the right words, Lord. So we love you. We trust you as all is your name and all God's podcast people said, amen. amen. I hope you said it. Come on. Yeah, say it in your car right now. Amen. 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 There we go. All right. Well, hey, thanks so much for listening to us on whatever platform you choose to listen to, Apple, Android, Google, whatever, whatever it could be, Spotify. 
hit that subscribe button. And if there's anybody that you would like to hear this, give it a share. Or maybe this could be a cool topic for your life group or yeah. I don't know. But just engage with the material. Don't just listen to it and... I don't know. Let it be another podcast. Really, really think about it and see how it can affect your workplace and your walk with Jesus. So we love you guys for all things young adults. You can uh, follow us on Instagram. I think it's just like Red Rocks YA um, on Instagram. And then our website, ROYA.org or RedRocksYA.com. Red, Ro- Red Rocks YA. Both of them work. Hey, so. register for services. We're, we're uh, live services every Thursday night, 7 p.m. Lakewood, Colorado. Yeah. And hey, we got Easter coming up. Like we said, April 3rd and 4th, mm-hmm. right? Saturday and Sunday at church. So come and invite a friend. It, yeah. It's going to be amazing. So, or watch online, redrockschurch.com. Love to have you. Be great. All right, guys, we'll see you next week. Peace out. Bye.